evidence and answers. Are psychology and theology incompatible? Should a Christian seek the help of a Christian psychologist? Or is that compromising with the wisdom of this world? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with your host, Dr. Pat Zucrin. Pat is a scholar, author, speaker, and teacher specializing in apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's show and other resources are available on his website at evidenceandanswers.org. We invite you to go there for valuable tools that will equip you to engage your world for Christ. Now let's join Pat and his special guest, Dr. Brian Misaka, as they bring clarity and biblical teaching to this issue of psychology and theology. We're covering a very fascinating but very controversial topic today, psychology and theology. Are they enemies or are they allies? There's several views on this position, so to help me out here, I brought in with me a special guest, Dr. Brian Misaka. Brian has been practicing Christian counseling for over 20 years here in the state of Hawaii. He has his Bachelor's of Science from the University of Washington, a degree from Moody Bible Institute, and a Master's and Doctorate in Psychology from Rosemead School of Psychology at Biola University, along with several theology courses that are required there at Biola University. So here's a man who's really paid his dues, who understands the issues, who's going to help us on this topic today. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Great to be here. You know, Brian, lots of Christians are quite leery of psychological counseling and this whole area of psychology. Could you tell us what's the difference between Christian counseling and, say, regular secular counseling? You know, Pat, to be honest, when I first entered psychology, I was leery also, you know, as a Christian. And so that's why I wanted to go and study at Moody Bible Institute and get a good, firm foundation in Christianity and the truth, and then study psychology after that. What's the difference between Christian counseling and regular secular counseling? I think with Christian counseling, the worldview is based in monotheism, in the Trinity, in the Bible as a source of truth, and that's infallible, inerrant in its original documents. You know, the core, basic, strong, conservative Christian teachings that we have. And with secular psychology, you don't have that basis. It's really based in perspective of that particular therapist whose worldview could be anywhere from atheism to a theist also, you know, but I hold to a biblically based model of counseling people based on what God has taught us and revealed to us through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many who teach that psychology and theology cannot be integrated. They're just polar opposites, like oil and water. Mm -hmm. They can't be integrated. Psychology is built on Freud and humanistic philosophy and humanistic understanding of man and ultimately built on Darwinian evolutionary theory. And so you can't integrate the two. What do you have to say to that? Well, I mean, if you think about the medical science, the medical science is based on the empirical method where you're observing things and you cut your body, you bleed and it coagulates and, you know, it can get infected and so you clean it out with an antibacterial, you patch it up and sew it up if necessary and it works. You know, it's an exploration of God's creation. 
God created our bodies in a certain way. The same thing with neurology. You know, if you get an electric probe and you touch a certain part of your brain, then you can see things, you can hear things, you can hear music. And so we can test to see and locate different places in our brains that are responsible for different types of memories and different types of functions. Now, if you really get technical with it, emotions uh, really don't come from the heart, so to speak. They really come from a part of our brain. The heart is more symbolic. I like to use that metaphor. I think it's a tremendous biblical metaphor. But technically speaking, based on science, it really does come from the mind, the limbic region, amygdala, different processes within the brain. So in some sense, you know, I think one day it'll evolve to something like that where we'll find out neurological structures and more specifically neural pathways that can explain why we have emotional trauma like PTSD, why we have depression, we have evidence of um, neurotransmitters like serotonin deficiencies, and in psychoses we have dopamine deficiencies or excess dopamine. And so we have some biological bases for some of these psychological phenomena that we see in everyday life in severe mental disorders. Well, so as many of you can tell, the position that we're taking is that there can be an integration of biblical truth and truth from psychology. And the Bible teaches there's two kinds of revelation, special revelation, as Brian mentioned here, God's truth revealed in the Bible, which is inspired of God and inerrant and without error and the supreme authority. But also Romans chapter one talks about general revelation, truth revealed in God's creation and through the study of his creation, we can come to understand a lot of God's truth. You know, for example, an astrophysicist who studies the universe, reading Psalm 19 and says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, he understands that passage in a deeper way because he understands the deep reaches of the universe and the forces at work in the universe to make life possible here. Or a doctor who understands the intricacies of the human body when he reads Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. It has a deeper meaning when he reads the passage, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so general revelation can give us deeper insight. The sciences can give us deeper insight into biblical teachings. Well, Brian, what contribution does the profession of psychology make to theology and the ministry of the church? You know, maybe couple of thoughts on that one. On a marital basis, I think that's probably the, the biggest contribution is to try and use general revelation, as you're saying, to observe what happens in marriages. You know, obviously the Bible says to be patient and, and kind. So if we're impatient and unkind in our discussion styles or conflictual styles in our marriage, that, that's going to hurt our marriages. And so psychology just takes it to a different level in terms of description, not necessarily in terms of truth, but in terms of description on, okay, you know, this is this kind of conflict and this can be resolved with this conflict resolution strategy. You know, where the Bible could give us a general principle, be angry and sin not. You know, the psychology can say, hey, you know what, 
don't cuss at your partner. Don't be condescending to your partner. Don't be judgmental. Don't nonverbal cues are, are very important. So you won't find things in scripture that will say, you know, thou shall not use derogatory nonverbal cues, but we can use biblical principles to infer that that is a biblical principle. Yeah, and that's a great way in which it really complements and really develops and gives specific applications mm-hmm. to biblical truth there. Well, what the psychology, what can it contribute to the ministry of a church? Again, in, the, in terms of marriage ministries, I helped to start a marriage ministry at New Hope Christian Fellowship at Central Oahu Branch, and we're really trying to equip the marriages to survive in such a difficult atmosphere and have people take responsibility in examining themselves and becoming more loving, becoming more like Christ. And if we have strong marriages, then, like Jesus said, they shall know me by your love for each other. And so a primary way of showing Jesus' love is by loving our spouses and our spouses loving us and people going, wow, these people have really strong marriages. And so they can go, wow, there's something different about these people. And on an individual basis also, it doesn't mean you have to be married to demonstrate Jesus' love. And so we can minister to singles who are lonely and and struggling, maybe with sexual purity, maybe with depression, with anxiety, different disorders that we can use biblical principles to help them with also. Jesus speaks of grieving. Blessed are those who grieve. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. James talks about changing laughter to weeping and grieving also. And there's wisdom in grieving. Solomon spoke about it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting and pleasure. And grieving helps us to deal with losses. In, in this life, there's a lot of losses because of sin. And so whenever there's sin, like I see cases where there's adultery, and that's a huge sin. And so there's this devastation of one partner because the other one has just cheated on them. And there's a depression that follows, and there's anxiety that follows, uh, mistrust, hurt, uh, betrayal, all of these different feelings that need to be, this person needs to be ministered to and walk through the grieving process and hopefully a restoration process if the other person is willing to repent, confess their sin, repent and try and reconcile with that spouse is what we try to do. Yeah, you know, Brian, and you know, another way can really complement the church is that a lot of pastors are not equipped to do counseling. Now, I'm not knocking pastors, but they've got a lot to do. you got to administrate and lead the church. you got to set vision. you got to be in the meetings. You've got to teach and preach the Word of God, and counseling can be pretty intense. And I went to what I think is one of the best seminaries in the country, but I only had one class in counseling. You know, and so when I came out into the ministry, I realized, you know, after being over a decade in as a pastor, I wasn't equipped to do a lot of the counseling. And it really took a toll. My primary mission, I felt, and the thing that I was trained for and called by God to do was to teach and preach the word. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't equipped to do a lot of counseling. So sending people to a professional counselor trained in this area would be a great benefit to the church, I believe. Mm -hmm. That's so? Yeah, I believe that to be absolutely true. You know, sometimes I even think of myself as 
a pastor with very, very small congregations, you know, like one person or two people sitting in front of me, and I'll pray with them, and I'll teach them about the Bible and how to apply the Bible into their relationships. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like a compliment to the pastoral staff and helping them. You know, all of us are part of the same body of Christ. And so different parts of the body have different specializations. And so maybe I'm an ear or maybe I'm a mouth or a combination of an ear and a mouth. And so, like you said, a lot of pastors are not trained in terms of many, many classes, in terms of how to manage an affair, how to manage someone who's clinically depressed and suicidal, how to manage somebody who's hearing voices or hearing from God. So they claim that they're healed and, you know, they're ready to go on the mission field, but you see their lives devastated and they're, they're not able to work and they're you know homeless and it's like well you know a pastor's not supposed to know how to do brain surgery a pastor's not supposed to know how to handle necessarily a suicidal client although many pastors have basic knowledge to handle those emergency situations but it's always good to call for a specialist in those kinds of situations. Yeah, you know, Brian, one of the things that frustrates me is that often as Christians, we have maybe a too simplistic an approach to some really deep emotional or psychological issues yes. that people have. Hey, memorize these scriptures and you'll be fine. Exactly. You know, or, yeah. hey, it's a sin to be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, memorize these scriptures and get over it, yeah. you know, or be filled with the spirit and that's it, yeah. you know. And so we have a very simplistic approach, but a lot of the issues that are out there are very deep, mm-hmm. require serious, deep attention mm-hmm. that sometimes a, a trained guy a professional Christian counselor can only he can address because these are really deep issues and we need to stop thinking on such simplistic levels. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you think about Jesus as our number one and primary example, how he helped to transform people's lives, the 12 disciples, is to spend a significant amount of time with them a significant amount of truth being spoken and and grace being demonstrated, modeling. The discipleship model is a long-term, heavily invested model. And you didn't see Jesus just throwing out scriptures at them and quoting to them and telling them to stop. You know, it was was much more of a relational, long-term relational model of discipleship and then those 11 men one you know of course betrayed him but those 11 went to go on and change the world with the addition of the other 12 that came later on right now that's important you talk about that whole discipleship component and everything for you as a Christian counselor what role does the church have to play in the healing of an individual here because obviously you can't spend time with all your clients Mm -hmm. as they need How does the church play a part in this? If we think about Sunday messages, Sunday messages are a tremendous time for teaching and some fellowship. But the deeper fellowship, I believe, happens in like smaller groups, small group Bible studies with really caring, competent leaders. 
And then you can go into issues like conflict resolution, you can go into boundaries, you can go into depression. Celebrate Recovery is a huge thing with Rick Warren out in California, and we have it at our church now. So the church can be a a big umbrella for different groups, 12-step groups, ohana groups, marriage groups. There's a series called uh, Marriage on the Rock, by Jimmy Evans, and he's a 30-year pastor who speaks on marriages, a 10-week video series, and you can have a small group in addition to that. So there's a lot of different resources that the church can partner with, um, these people who have chosen to specialize in these areas, and it can be a wonderful partnership. The church is essential. Yeah, you see, that's why I think that's the power of Christian counseling. You take a holistic approach physical, psychological, mm-hmm. emotional, but also the sociological needs, the needs for friendship and relationship and healing through that area. And of course, the spiritual area, the relationship with God and getting into God's word. That's why I think really only Christian counseling can really provide the holistic approach that a person really needs to bring healing in his life. I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, I've gone through my own, many years of my own counseling, probably seven years of my own counseling. And it's personally helped me a significant deal to have someone be like Jesus and invest on that kind of level with me and help me to explore and shed light on the deepest, darkest issues. It gives a place for true confession of the deepest sins and in a non-judgmental atmosphere where you can go through this process of looking at it, trying to repair, repent if you need to of your own sins, forgiving others of their sins against you. And those are some critical components of the healing process, the forgiveness process, the confession process, repentance, and the grieving process. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, Brian. You know, we all have these closets in which we hide things and put on, you know, a false front. Yet those things that we hide in the closet may really eat away at us Mm -hmm. and destroy our spirit and soul and, and sap us of our joy and energy and life. And, you know, Proverbs says that a wise man can bring those kinds of things out. Mm -hmm. Tell us, how does that process, as far as in your life, how did that work in going through this yourself? Well, first of all, you need a private, safe atmosphere where you trust this person. That's why confidentiality is so important. And so you feel free to share whatever you want in a confident relationship, confidential relationship where you won't be judged for it, but the person will help you to think it through and give you their perspective on it to give you empathy and help you to feel understood in a very deep way. And when you feel like you can confess your sins, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another and and pray for each other that you may be healed. So James has given us in a couple sentences uh, a pathway to healing is to get our sins out and confess it to another human being and then bring God into it, pray for each other that you may be healed. And so that's kind of the essence of the healing process is examining sin, our own sin, and examining how we've been sinned against. I think many times in our churches, what happens is we emphasize personal sin, which is a very good and important factor, 
but we tend not to look at the sins of the fathers and sins of the mothers and sins of other people, uh, molestation, abuse, different things that have happened in our lives that can be hidden away deep in our hearts. You know, David alludes to a place where he didn't know, and he asked God, you know, search me and see if there's any offensive way in me. And so he's saying, I've searched as best I could. Is there anything more, God? Is there an unconscious place in me, a place beyond my consciousness? And so I believe God wants us to clean all of that stuff out. He wants us to be free. He wants us to have the abundant life. So it's a process of bringing out those sins. And sometimes it's the sins against us. If we were verbally abused, if we were neglected, if we were molested, if we were ignored, many different sins or criticized on a regular basis or put down or these huge expectations placed on us by our parents. And it's not a blame game with our parents. Don't get me wrong. So the goal is not to go, oh, yeah, I'm so angry at my parents. I hate my parents. It's not to do that. It's to say sin is sin and sin causes pain. And I want to improve my relationship with my parents. I want to be reconciled to them if possible. I want to have a clean heart towards my parents. I want to have a clean heart with God. So that's why I want to get these things out. And some of those things are so painful that they take years sometimes to grieve and forgive. I mean, if you've been molested for seven years in your childhood, then it's not like, oh, I forgive you and all the feelings are gone. You know, if you think about like 9-11, you know, the nation was, was shocked. The nation was grieving for quite a while. It's changed. It's, it's much more palatable now. Although we look at it and go, wow, that's, that's bad. We don't feel the same strong feelings because all of us have gone through some kind of a grieving process with that. But to shortchange the grieving process is to the, do a disservice to people. So the healing process is to give the healing as much room as it needs to, give the person as much room as they need to to grow. And that's what these therapists did in my life. You know, Brian, you bring up one thing, which is what I think is a big difference between Christian counseling and regular counseling. And you address the whole idea of a human nature and a whole idea that we are sinful mm-hmm. people and we've been sinned against but we also have to take responsibility for the sins that we have committed and mm-hmm. not just say well it's the environment mm-hmm. or it's my genetics or whatever it may be and I see that as a big difference between Christian counseling and just regular counseling would you agree on that oh absolutely yeah the, the whole notion of, of sin is very important you know, and so with secular counseling, many times they're trying to get rid of the guilt, get rid of the shame. You know, in America, ironically, I don't think there's enough shame anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you <sure. know? laughs> everything's okay, and so there's a very important place for sin because without facing sin and calling sin sin, then there's no true healing, and that is a biblical model and a very clear distinction between secular psychology and Christian psychology. Yeah, and I think one of the healing that you're talking about, I mean, the ultimate goal as a Christian counselor is to bring healing to the person with himself or herself and also with one another as much as possible, but also with God Mm -hmm. and to bring them to a proper understanding of God and bring them into a proper relationship with God. That 
That I see is the ultimate goal of Christian counseling, absolutely. which is not, which is quite different from the goal in secular counseling. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And you bring up a really good point about the relationship with God. You know, some people have had some really bad fathers, absent fathers. Some people have grown up without fathers. They got the woman pregnant and, and left. And so it leaves a bad taste in terms of their relationship with God because many times your experience of your father and mother, but uh, particularly father, will affect your view of God. And so if you don't address the issues that, uh, the psychological issues that are affecting the relationship with God, you can tell that person to pray and memorize scripture and go to church and do all the right things, but there's something missing because the sin was never addressed of the father the abandonment, the rejection, the selfishness of the Father. And naturally, if we really look at that, then all kinds of feelings come when you think of a father being selfish, abandoning, abusive, etc. So those issues have to be addressed in order to have a full and free relationship with God. Well, as you can see, we're having a great show with uh, Dr. Brian Misaka here. He's been a professional counselor for over 20 years. Well, Brian, as we bring this first part of our show to an end, would you give some practical advice? I may be a Christian, maybe not even a Christian, but I want Christian counseling. What are some steps that I could, of how I should proceed in finding a competent Christian counselor? One really good step is to get on Focus on the Family's website and Focus on the Family, they really screen their Christian therapists uh, quite well. I applied for it and they asked me all kinds of questions and I was really impressed with how thorough they were in terms of asking the questions. And so Focus on the Family, I don't know if it's .org or com, I think it's org. Um, you can check out Google Focus on the Family and, and they have a great resource list for whatever state you're in. Here in Hawaii, you could call me up at 488 and I'd be happy to refer you to a counselor or, or see you myself if I have room. There's only a few Christian psychologists here on the island. Too few, I would say. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. sad, but um, yeah. Yeah, well, we've been here talking with Dr. Brian Misaka on the topic of psychology and theology. Are they enemies or are they allies here? And what role does Christian counseling have in the life of a believer and in the life of the church? And so we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Brian Misaka next week. So I hope you join us here at Evidence and Answers. And Brian, we look forward to hearing from you next week. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. I hope today's discussion brought clarity to the issue of psychology and its relationship with theology. We'll pick it up next week with Pat and Dr. Brian Misaka as we continue our discussion on psychology and theology. Thank you for joining us today on Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zucrin. This show and other valuable resources are available at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat serves on staff of Probe Ministries and his ministry is supported by your generous donations. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider part partnering with Pat and supporting his work with a donation at evidenceandanswers.org. We want to thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again next week for more of Evidence and Answers. Break.